recording. Let's do a clap. One, two, three. Whatever. We I don't know why uh, we do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's professional, right? It makes us seem like we know what we're doing. Okay, cool. And let's get going in three, two, one. And hello, everyone, and welcome to the FanCast podcast. I am your host, John Francis. I am your co-host, Sammy K. Palm. And this is the great podcast where we talk about the hottest celebs and what they're doing this week. (laughs) Just kidding. This is the podcast where we talk about comic book characters or story arcs and discuss what they might look like, what kind of characters, directors, and how the story might change to fit the movie atmosphere. This first episode we teased at the very end of the last episode. If you didn't check that episode on Nemesis, it was really good. But we teased Captain Britain. Captain Britain, baby. Yeah, Captain Britain's been around for a while. Sam, give me the lowdown on who Captain Britain is and what he's all about. Definitely. So I didn't have a whole lot of prior knowledge going into Captain Britain. It wasn't one that I'd actually delved into too much. But with uh, doing research for this particular podcast, uh, I've really come to enjoy this character and can't wait to learn a lot more and read a lot more of his uh, stories and arcs. Essentially, um, Captain Britain is Brian Braddock, who he first appeared in 1976 which is, you kind of mentioned earlier, is a little ironic in a way, since that's kind of, you know... The Revolutionary War, the uh, America's Independence, yeah. Definitely. First appeared in uh, British comic panels, I believe, which were shorter and, like, a different kind of format, so they were, like, taller and wider as well, so they could fit more art and stuff into them, but they were shorter in terms of length, which is interesting. Yeah, this is Um, actually Marvel's first branch into Britain. They were only publishing in America, and the first actual publishing house coming out of Britain was Captain Britain. Yeah, so this was definitely a huge deal for them. They wanted to nail it, and I definitely think they did, and I think they felt a bit of success with it too as he's become a reoccurring character, and uh, he's beginning. There's lots of hints that he's going to become a lot more popular in the MCU universe that's now happening with Marvel Studios and the film world. What do you mean by that, Sam? He's going to become a Marvel guy? (laughs) There's been lots of speculation since pretty much last summer. A lot of people have been posting theories that he's going to be possibly appearing in the new upcoming Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, which is taking place in England. So uh, things are kind of adding up, and it's making a lot of sense. And yeah, as we move on to different phases in the MCU, uh, he's definitely one who's been talked about a lot. Great, definitely, because he had his original, like, one of his first team-ups was with Spider-Man. And Mm Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be filming in London, going to be, like, in Venice or Paris. I don't know. It's going to be in the Europe area. Um, so there's a good likelihood that they could take advantage of this and sneak in Captain Britain for maybe, hopefully, at least a minor role. Um, it could just be a cameo. It could be nothing. Who knows? But hopefully they introduce him, and he can kind of be a shining star in Phase 4 when that comes out after a few more movies. Yeah, definitely. So just a quick little bit more on the origin. Um, basically, he was a young lad. His parents died in what was a, supposed to be a lab accident, but we later find out that they were actually killed by a sentient computer that his dad built. Uh, we find out that later on. Uh, basically, he's just a nerdy, successful little uh, young adult. And in college, he's working at this nuclear research facility. Um, his first villain that he uh, encounters is called the Reaver, and he attacks his facility, um, trying to stage it so that it looks like there was just a lab accident, but he's actually there to you know, harm people and whatnot. Um, Brian escapes to try to get help, but he gets run off the road on his motorcycle and crashes down a cliff where he has this vision of the magician Merlin and uh, his daughter, Roma, the lady of the Northern skies. Yes. I love that dude. Yeah. Which is cool. She has a bunch of neat stuff to say. 
I was going to say, it's weird because my Dungeons and Dragons aunt, that's her aim AOL handle, is Lady of the North Sky. No, no I'm way. Just just, I imagine oh, one of those like, <laughs> crazy cat ladies who has like the oh, totally. unicorn shirts and stuff. Lady of the North Sky. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what they would pick. That's the, that's the quintessential, yeah, D&D. That's perfect. Um, well, anyways, he has this vision that turns out to be more than a vision. It's not just like his mind hallucinating because he's near death. Um, but basically they give him a quick option to choose between two objects in order uh, to ha- defeat these uh, his first villain and you know not die from his terrible, terrible motorcycle wreck. They present him with either the Amulet of Right and the Sword of Might. And because he's a very good boy, he chooses the <laughs> Amulet of Right, um, which is noble and stuff because he's not a warrior. He's a scholar. Damn it. Definitely. And, uh, so basically he immediately gets this really really cute suit uh he gets a little more beefed up he becomes pretty powerful and his abilities are very similar to captain america of course but basically he kicks the butt of the reaver and kind of goes on to um become a hero and every time he touches his amulet he transforms into his uh his i guess other identity as captain britain Um, yeah yeah Definitely. I like that. So, um, with that, compared to our last episode, our last episode was based on a miniseries that was four parts. So we knew exactly how to design the story and what it would be based on. This, Captain Britain's been around since the mid-70s, and he's had tons of different versions and character evolutions. He's had his earlier years. He's had time with M16. I mean, oops, MI6. I always get those things mixed up. Yeah. And he's also been with his own team, which is Excalibur, him and a bunch of mutants. Um, so he's been around a lot. With him being part of all these different teams, I, Sammy and I chose to make up our own story and kind of figure out how this would originally translate into film. Uh, we can do different versions of him in different eras, take it from his youth when he's older and has a crazy-looking beard like Green Arrow and stuff. Or um, just whatever. So Sam and I don't know what we're going to present, but we're about to right now, and we can all find out together. Uh, I'll go ahead and start off with my um, story idea, and then we can get into who's going to be the cast of our stories. Perfect. Okay, so yeah, so my story, the beats it's going to go off of, um, this is relying heavily that he has a part in Spider-Man Far From Home. At least a minor part, that where we see his name, his face, whatever. Um... So my story's going to take off after this. And Spider-Man Far From Home, if he's in that, that means that he's already had like a year under his belt of being Captain America. He kind of has the ropes Captain figured America. out. Oh, oops, my bad. Captain Britain. <laughs> Captain oh. Bosnia. Um, Captain Britain. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so Captain Britain. So he has like, you know, he knows his powers. He can use his amulet and he can use his scepter. So he has like that like weird three-fourth size club. And he's got that big chain, and he uses those pretty much. That like what gives him his powers originally. That big chain gives him so many good powers. He looks like Mister T. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what's gonna happen? He's kind of he has his role already, and it's gonna kind of take beats from Captain Marvel, where it flashes back and forth with his origin. Because I don't want to tell his origin straight how it was in the comics. I want us to just get into who he is. Because in this timeline, he already has been that person for a year. So. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, um, he's just going to get transported to this place called the Otherworld, which is in the comic realms where Camelot and Avalon, all that stuff lives from British lore. And it's kind of like another dimension or a pocket dimension. Uh, It's kind of got different kind of tellings on how it's made, actually. 
but we're going with like the whole dimensional. It's a multi-dimensional place. Um, so he goes there, finds out that Merlin, he already knows Merlin and knows his role as Merlin's champion. Merlin contacts him and says, hey, I need you to do this quest for me. I'm getting weak or whatever. You need to go do this thing for me. Kind of very much like a Zordon role with Power Rangers, like in the first movie when he's weak and they have to, he sends him off. Kind of like that. So he sends off Captain Britain. He tells him that King Arthur's Excalibur has gone missing. So I'm going to have this thing where King Arthur's been dead, um, but his scepter, I mean, his sword gets stolen or missing because it's separate from his coffin, we'll say. It's not buried with him, but it's like in some kind of mausoleum, whatever. It gets stolen, and he goes on this quest. Along that quest, he runs into the Black Knight. So the Black Knight in the Ooh. comic books is um, created by an American guy. I forgot who it was, but... He kind of is just like a good guy, rides this awesome Pegasus. What was the name of the horse's name? He has like a winged horse with an awesome name. Oh, whatever. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, but he goes with them, and along the way... Um, oh, and also, Merlin says that there's signs of Mordred all over the crime scene of Excalibur gone missing. There's like runes and just black magic. So Merlin assumes it's going to be Mordred, so tells Captain Britain to go this way towards Merlin, like uh, Mordred in the dark lands of Camelot or whatever. We'll have it like that. And along the way, he finds Black Knight, blah, 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 blah. So along that journey with Black Knight, um, he starts off as an ally, but then he slowly kind of, you see that he's corrupted or maybe evil and has a second agenda. And what's going to happen is that it's going to be the Black Knight is actually under the control of Mordred and so slowly starts to show this throughout the thing, maybe kind of... I don't know what he's doing, but he turns on um, Captain Britain eventually. And there's going to be like this fight and this whole struggle that we've seen before with actors and characters where he's possessed or corrupted and he doesn't like it. He's struggling. He's having an eternal battle with Mordred and stuff, the Black Knight. And he's kind of, mm. and then finally Captain Britain does defeat him, weakens him, breaks the corrupt inner the mind control off the Black Knight. And Black Knight's too weak to move on, though, so Captain Britain goes forward towards Mordred. And finds out that Mordred is super powered, has the Black Knight, I mean, has um, King Arthur's Excalibur, and that's super OP, more OP than Captain Britain's amulet. So they're fighting and stuff, but he can't take him on. So eventually the Black Knight will sacrifice himself um, to weaken Mordred enough for Captain Britain to defeat him. And he does, but at the cost of his own life. So we have the Black Knight dead, and. Um, and Captain Britain just kind of mourning because he lost a friend who he thought was an ally and saw his struggle the whole time. Um, but the whole way that he comes past this, I wanted to go flashing back and forth with his origin. And because with origin, we don't really get why he chooses the Amulet of Right. So I want to have more of a meaning saying, like, why is he a chosen person? Why did he choose correctly and not go for the Sword of Might? Um, so it goes flashing back, just reminding him why he is the chosen champion of Merlin, why he's worthy of the Amulet of Might. And going back and forth, he finally realizes this and remembers it and then defeats Mordred uh, with the help of Black Knight's sacrifice. And the way that this story would kind of cap off, though, is with um, Merlin talking about dimensions because they're in the other world and dimensions. And then it's eventually going to lead into Mad Jim Jaspers, which is a crazy big uh, Captain Britain uh, villain who's also a mutant with reality shaping uh, powers and dimensional powers. So I think it's going to tie into the sequel and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's mine. Um, and I'll talk about who I'm going to cast real fast for uh, Captain Britain. They've been getting for specific people Definitely. after years. So for Captain Britain, I am choosing... Uh, well, um, <laughs> so Captain Britain was tough because I don't know a lot of British actors, honestly. Um, so I was looking back at movies that came out from Brit from Britain, such as um, Peaky Blinders. I had a great British cast. Um, the movie that just came out, The Kid Who Would Be King, which is super fitting because it's all like Merlin, King Arthur, and stuff like that, and it's in the UK. So there's some good cast there. 
But ultimately, I went with someone from the movie Dunkirk, who is Tom Glenn Carney. So Dunkirk had a bunch of young cast, young, strong male leads and uh, co-leads and stuff. And Tom Glenn uh, Carney, he's also going to be uh, co-starring in the movie Tolkien as one of J.R. Tolkien's friends who survives the, uh, the war with him. And also a movie coming out, The King, which has a bunch of big actors, too. Um, so he's hmm. a rising British star. He's perfect age. He's going to be like, by the time this comes out, he's going to be like 23 or so. So that goes along with the late college years and stuff. So he's still a younger star. And I think by this time, he'll have his acting chops up with these three big movies that he's been in. And he's just going to be ready and prepared for this role. And I think he's earned it with these other movies. Some of my runners up were guys like Fionn Whitehead, which was the star of Bandersnatch, uh, the Black Mirror episode or movie, as well as Tom Taylor, who was in The Kid Who Would Be King. Uh, he fits the role, but he was a little too young. Um, so, uh, yeah, ultimately, my Brian Braddock is going to be Tom Glenn Carney. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, yeah. I just dumped a whole lot on you right there. <laughs> that was Yeah, the... you've been talking for a while. It's good. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm absorbing. I'm processing. Kind of origin going back and forth. Uh, more of like a coming of character, realizing who he is and taking many beats from um, just like Captain Marvel. And yeah, so also, though, my director, I forgot to mention this. Duh. My director is going to be John Favreau. So I thought about this. Oh, yeah. So yeah. John Favreau kind of led and started off the Marvel Phase One with Captain. I mean, with Captain Iron, Iron Man. So I think with Captain John Favreau, yeah. So I think John Favreau can kind of kickstart Phase Four again and bring it back. Um, he did an amazing job with Iron Man One. I think he can do this origin story here as well. Um, he's just done a great slew of movies that range from all types. So I think that he'd be able to manage this one, which is going to be kind of like a a funky adventure fantasy uh british tale so yeah that's my story that's awesome cool did you just cast out mostly for captain britain did you throw anyone else in the mix there or? yeah i have some other people so for black knight i'm thinking uh more of like a mentor role a little bit older so i chose taron egerton um he is the hmm. guy from the kingsman um okay. and, and also the latest robin hood so yeah so he's kind of he's just a good british actor um, a little bit older. He's like almost 30 now, I think. And then also for Merlin, I'm thinking Jeremy Irons because he's like America's nice. go-to elderly yeah. British guy. <laughs> uh, he did Aragon and he's other other fantasy movies too. And he's been in the comic realm a bit. So yeah, Jeremy Irons would be awesome, I think. And then for Mordred, um, this kind of just happened with our last King Arthur movie. But I was thinking like maybe like a Jude Law might be like another evil, sexy Mordred. Um, but that Ooh. might be too evil and sexy. So... <laughs> never too evil and sexy. <laughs> yeah so yeah mordred because you know witches always like look younger and stuff so it's okay if he looks younger than merlin wow very cool man wow i like that a lot how much of the uh how much of your story that that arc you went with actually correlates or kind of ties in with the with the um black knight story that you know currently exists within the universe so yeah, it kind of goes off the trail a little bit with Black Knight being, like, corrupted and evil because in his original mm -hmm. story with Captain Britain, he's just a total out ally, and he helps him go against Mordred. Um, also, the reasons on how Captain Britain gets to the other world and the whole Camelot realm and stuff, that story's kind of just slewed to push the reason on why he's there. Um, but yeah, so it's not, it's kind of close in the sense that it's Black Knight and Captain America, Captain Britain teaming up. If I say Captain America one more time, I'm leaving this podcast for good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of that team up as well. And, you know, Merlin stuff. So it's not too far fetched kind of, I think, you know, with a lot of comic book movies, they barely change what they're doing, um, to fit it into a, into a movie 
format. So I think this is going to be on the same kind of beat as just, you know, slightly changing the stories. That's that's really cool. I didn't realize how creative you were going to get with it. So I was just pleasantly surprised to hear all of that. That was very exciting. You've clearly done, you put a lot of thought into that. So <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Heck yeah. What do you got, Sam? You got anything good? Can you beat that or not? <laughs> you set a very high bar, sir. But uh, So uh, what was important to me for finding an arc I wanted to kind of go off of and casting it and whatnot uh, was basically how important uh, Captain Britain is going to be or how important a lot of fans are thinking he's going to be in the upcoming Spider-Man movies and you know any potential tie-ins there. Uh, so I kind of wanted to go through, I, I did most of my reading on um, some of the initial issues covering origin story and then some of the issues covering his crossover with Spider-Man when he goes to, well, New York, I guess, to um, become an exchange student up there and become roommates with Peter Parker, uh, which is something that I'm thinking may possibly be the case when uh, we see Peter Parker going to London in Far From Home. Maybe he'll have some kind of encounter, maybe not necessarily a roommate, uh, but some kind of encounter there. Um, yeah, so one of the issues that came out, I believe in, I think it was 77 or a little later. Um, so Captain Britain has already been a hero for like a little over a year, like you said. He's already received his powers from Merlin and whatnot, and he's been somewhat established. Um, basically, a little background to it is he's joined, uh, I believe it was part of the Strike Force, which is kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's just the UK's version. Um, and at one point, he basically goes out to New York and becomes roommates of Spider-Man. Um and kind of unbeknownst to one another, they're both superheroes at first. Yeah, it's uh, cute. Peter Parker, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cute and kind of like it's disturbingly obvious that they're both heroes and they don't even catch on to it for quite a while. It's it's pretty cute and funny. Um, but they and they end up kind of fighting each other at first until they realize they're kind of on the same side. Once they realize that, they immediately get trapped by the uh, villain Arcade. Yeah. who's kind of a weird enigmatic character who likes to play fun and games. And he's a little bit different than other villains in the sense that he um directly includes like plan like failures to like his captures he wants his heroes to find a way out that's kind of part of it he enjoys the game um so he he really wants to just play around and see if you know these heroes can find their way out of his crazy messes but he has like fun houses and giant pinball machines and all sorts of crazy quirky stuff uh he's just like a little magic boy he's just he just loves playing with magic do you think and that's like a boys. do you think that's a good story character arc that like he kind of wants to let them free or is that just kind of how they wrote back in the day because they didn't want it to be too menacing or evil? You know, that's a good point. I think that probably is something that they yeah, maybe didn't want to go too dark and evil back in the day because this was still early comic years for the most part. I mean, in the 70s they were still developing a lot of these early characters. Um so yeah, that probably may have been a bit of a safeguard to some extent. Uh, but either way, yeah, it's, it is something that kind of sets them apart just a little bit. You know, of course, there's lots of villains that always, you know, give away their evil plan. And then there's like a, a little loophole and the hero finds his way out. Well, the difference is Arcade it intentionally includes these things. He yeah. wants the people to escape. He enjoys the game of it. He kind of like doesn't a cat. Like, once they leave. Yeah, it's exactly. He just really he enjoys the game. So, um, yeah, basically, they get trapped into his little funhouse. They're running around pinball machines and whatnot. Um, we realize that captain britain also has an important lady in his life her name's courtney ross which is kind of just like the mj uh to peter parker so we see another direct correlation between him and spidey there which is you know helps with their bonding and whatnot um eventually spider-man just starts breaking a bunch of stuff and computer stuff just a little computer stuff <laughs> i'm going through puberty again reading all these comics um <laughs> my voice cracked there um spider-man just starts breaking a bunch of stuff um tech all the technology there to try to kind of 
get he doesn't know how else to get out of this because there's like funhouse mirrors and like all their warped bodies start physically manifesting and then there's weird like quirky versions of themselves they have to fight which is really zany and weird um they end up busting out and arcade isn't even really too disappointed he enjoyed the whole weird experience and he's gonna continue trying to capture them later and have fun with that um but basically i just kind of wanted to go over that story i didn't twist it up too much with my uh, initial storyline just because i was interested in that first legitimate connection between him and spider-man and i think that's going to be something that's uh, pivotal to how they introduce captain britain into the mcu um so yeah i just kind of had fun playing with that i guess i'll just get into the casting if i was to uh, if they were to introduce him in this kind of particular role uh, i was thinking about different actors of course i wanted to make sure i was casting pretty much all uh young british lads yeah um you know for this because that's very important since that's the whole point yeah. um so i was going through kind of some younger actors and trying to figure out who would fit the role uh visually of course captain britain has very 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 blonde hair which of course could be adjusted with color whatever but i was trying to think of an actor that might be a little true to the image just initially and then maybe based on prior roles i was going through a few uh first one i was kind of thinking he's definitely a bit older and this would be better for a different arc i think for uh captain britain but charlie hunnam from sons of anarchy the blonde boy yeah yeah who's also recently in king arthur legend of the sword which is perfect because that ties right in with the whole like mystic you know uk camelot stuff um and he's just a handsome lad and yeah there's you know later on there's lots of artwork with uh captain britain like sporting a sweet goatee busting out of his his cowl yes um (laughs) which is super cool and as uh charlie hunnam usually he usually rocks like a goatee look and he's a pretty blonde boy so and he's nice and beefy so i think he fits not only the face but the body type i think he'd be kind of a cool representation of captain britain in, in an older self for this particular arc since he is supposed to be a bit younger I, and I wanted him to kind of mesh with if it were to be, you know, a, 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 alongside Tom Holland, you know, definitely a very young Peter Parker. I wanted a younger role. I didn't end up going with someone terribly young, but the actor Joe Alwyn, uh, who is, if you haven't heard of him right now, I think he's actually dating Taylor Swift. I don't know how long <laughs> that's going to be relevant for, Joe uh, but he was, he's an actor. <laughs> he is, um, Notably, he's been in a few minor roles and a couple bigger roles. Most notably, recently, he was in Mary Queen of Scots, a movie I just saw at a local theater, which was really, really awesome. Uh, he was also in um, Yorgos Latimos, The Favorite, which I've yet to see. But he's Ooh. already he's been playing a few roles kind of in that took place centuries ago um, where he was dressed kind of, you know, sort of like a knight of sorts. Yeah. Um, but he's a young, blonde, handsome lad. Um, definitely not quite as beefy as Captain Britain may be. So that's something you might have to work out a little bit towards to beef up his role. But again, I wanted him to be kind of comparable to Peter Parker because they do find themselves relating in a lot of ways. And I thought maybe kind of a younger, um, you know, more youthful looking Captain Britain would be kind of a cool way to start it. Uh, but yeah, Joe Alwyn would be my main pick. Um, he's got the nice blonde hair, which could be lightened up to be even more yellowed. Which I just love that about Captain Britain's outfit. He just has this dope, like, kind of Deadpool-esque mask that's, like, just the whites of the eyes, you know? But then he's got these locks, these beautiful, beautiful locks just yeah. flowing around all the time, and I, I just dig that. He's the kind of guy that would wear, like, one of those visors <laughs> that has the fake hair. <laughs> Maybe that's what his co- co- costume is. He just has that fake hair coming out, like, very Guy Ferrari. <laughs> Fieri. <laughs> Guy Fieri. <laughs> 
For sure. Would you keep Tom Holland? Yeah, I, I was just assuming Tom Holland the whole time. Yeah, I dig Tom Holland as Spider-Man a lot. I think that's that was perfect casting. I've been really pleased with him. I know. I want them to be like buddies in a movie. So I like that you went with a younger version too because having them as like buddying up would be really cool because last time his buddy was Tony Stark, which was nice, but it'd be a cooler dynamic to have a younger <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, it was like that was nice because of course like the father figure thing that he didn't totally have except for, you know, his Uncle Ben and whatnot. So that was important. But yeah, having another superhero that's you know kind of his age or whatever to bounce off of i think would be pretty sweet yeah so do you have any other um, side characters I, or co- co-stars yeah i i cast it just for uh arcade who in the comics he's kind of a like a redhead he his origin's a little weird it isn't completely set in stone uh, i guess in some comics he's quoted as saying he was raised really wealthy in california and also somewhere in texas <laughs> um, when I was initially casting, I was just doing a full British cast. So I ended up casting a British actor because his, his backstory is kind of ambiguous anyways. Um, but I casted for Arcade Alfie Allen, who is Theon Greyjoy from Game of yeah. Thrones. Because he's just got such a quirky looking face. And I think he would be a sweet, goofy villain who's just into magic and twisted weirdness. Yeah, slam um, dunk. Hell yeah. Yeah, slam dunk. Buckets, baby. <laughs> uh, Alfie Allen, Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, he's... Um, I think his role, I think he'd do a really great job of just being, yeah, a quirky villain. I mean, all the the different arcs that his character went through in Game of Thrones, from being a lot more regal to being completely broken down as a person. um, He's definitely an actor that's capable of performing many different, you know, characters. So I think seeing him as like a a quirky evil villain who's into magic and playing games with his, his, uh, his heroes would be really, really fun. I think he would kill that. Again, he's, you know, a younger actor which is cool, you know, around 30 or a little, yeah, right around 30. So I think he'd be a, a cool villain for that. Yeah. Um, and then getting into directors, um, one of my all-time favorite directors, and again, an English director, um, I thought would be cool to do this. Uh, someone who's also dabbled a little bit in the comic world would be Edgar Wright. Yep. Boom, who's done Shaun of the Dead, um, notable comic to screen adaptions like Scott Pilgrim and writing credit on Ant-Man. He was actually supposed to initially direct Ant-Man, but I guess he dropped because of creative differences. Yeah. I would love to see him do a legit superhero movie. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, of course, isn't quite a superhero movie, but still just the comic take on it. Um, I think it would be great. I would love to see Edgar Wright do something with Spider-Man. That would be like a dream come true. Um, and especially doing something weird if we were to go the quirky route of arcade. Uh, I think it would just be really fun to see Edgar Wright do something silly and weird. And of, of course, him being an English director would just make this casting and crew uh, that much more awesome and genuine. Definitely. Dude, that's a, I think you had some home runs on that. I saw a lot of people online talking about how they would like to see Matthew Vaughn directing this movie. Because, you know, he yeah. did The Kingsman. He's dabbled with yeah. um, Stardust, which is an amazing fantasy movie. Uh, but... He's also had some, I mean, he's had some of the best X-Men movies as well. Last Stand and uh, First Class, I think, were great movies. But I feel like he's kind of, it's too on the nose to choose him, Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, I like that too. I think it would be important to cast someone who maybe has had some experience kind of doing the more um, yeah, King Arthur-esque stuff. Because that is really a crucial thing to Captain Britain. And if we were going a story route where that was crucial, like yours, I think that would be really cool. Or maybe as even a co-director or something. Yeah. Um, to have him on board, I think would be he could offer a lot in that set, and that would be really really sweet too. Hell yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Were there? Do you have any roles for like uh, Merlin or um, maybe like Lady of the Northern Sky? 
uh for yeah for those for lady of the north sky i was thinking of a couple for merlin i was having some trouble thinking of i i just kept thinking of like star wars force ghosts and i was just thinking <laughs> of, i mean he's a scottish or yeah scottish lad but uh and mcgregor seeing him as like an old merlin would be really funny if they oh. made him look way older it'd be weird uh, i didn't put too much thought into merlin though um i liked yours a lot though i, I actually like jude law <laughs> that's a cool idea i think Dude. seeing him is i know you did you cast him for Merlin, or did you cast him for the Black Knight? Yes, I had Jeremy Irons as my Merlin, and then Jude <laughs> right, Law as right. my sexy evil Mordred. Evil, yeah, <laughs> I was Mordred. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, Jeremy I like, Irons is perfect. That's yeah. Yeah, he's like the go-to American guy for British roles. I mean, he knocked out. I think he was a really good Alfred for, in the Batman vs Superman and Justice League, um, but also totally. in Aragon, he did the whole like fantasy dragons and stuff, being kind of like a, a mentor. So. Uh, yeah dude i loved aragon role yeah i mean the books when i was younger the movie was you know all right but yeah he's he's got <laughs> in the scar man don't even get me started on the lion king bro Ooh. um but yeah <clears throat> uh for lady of the northern lakes or even for potentially if i were to go a different route and cover his uh twin sister uh Cyclock, um i was thinking of uh english actresses and two of my favorites that I would just love to cast in a superhero role. I love Daisy, uh, Daisy Ridley and I love Kira Knightley. So having them for either role of those would be really cool. I think Daisy Ridley would be a really, really awesome Lady of the Northern Lakes. I love that. Wait, is it Cyclock or Psylocke? I thought it was Psylocke, like Olivia Munn from X-Men Apocalypse. Psylocke, yeah. What did I say? You said Cyclocke. Um, yeah. Psylocke, Psylocke. Okay, so, well, for Psylocke, yeah, I feel like... Elizabeth would, Betsy Braddock. Would we yeah. just, like, throw out... For Psylocke, would we throw out the Olivia Munn casting in the past for X-Men Apocalypse? Or is that just totally done with the Fox realm? I mean, yeah, I was kind of thinking the Fox realm isn't too relevant anymore, too. It'd be time yeah. for some fresh casting. I think Kira Knightley for her would be kind of cool. Um, she's done some, of course, really cool roles in the past, too. So That'd be beautiful. <clears throat> and I think she's got a look. Yeah, I think she just kind of got a look that... I, I can see her dressed up as Psylocke a lot, but yeah. And then there's also his older brother, Jamie Braddock, who becomes Jamie. like a really mm. powerful mutant, which is weird because Brian is not a mutant, but his siblings are. So right, yeah. he skipped his gene, I guess. Yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh. Well, I think that we definitely wrap that up. I think that your movie is going to be, a gr- if you did your movie, it would be a great, really fun movie. It'd kind of be all like locally in like London, huh? I mean, in uh, New York, huh? New York, or even if they did want to twist it and do that kind of, it could be set, you know, possibly while Spider-Man's in London, and that could happen too. I don't think necessarily the location is too important, but uh, yeah, if they were to if they were to do it true to the comic, then it would be New York. Okay, so this wouldn't be a two-handed role with Tom Har- Holland. Um, it would be like uh, just Tom Holland having like a very brief bit in the beginning or so, or how do you feel in, see him fitting in? Yeah, I would see uh, Tom Holland fitting into the role because initially in the comic, they both get captured into Arcade's little uh, murder house, I believe they call it. Uh, sex Dungeon. Oh, yeah, Sex Dungeon. That's that's what it was. That was the official name. Murder <laughs> World. Yeah. Uh, murder World is where, what they called it. They get trapped in Murder World together and they have to escape it. Uh, so, yeah, I would see Tom Holland in there a little bit. And that maybe just be, you know, a small, even little bit of a, a larger story. He might just be a small villain in, you know, a larger story. Yeah, I like that. Would you touch on his origins at all? Or um, would it be like cutscenes? Yeah. Or what do you think? I think I think cutscenes, the way they actually present it in the comic, too, for Murder World, um, <clears throat> after they first, it's actually right before Murder, Murder World, when they first get introduced and they're flying around New York together, uh, kind of battling each other before they figure out they're both kind of on the same team. 
Peter Parker does ask, he's like, so what's your story? And he gives him a quick lowdown of how he was working at the reactor facility and yeah. ran off by everyone and met Merlin and stuff. So he, he gives them the backstory. So that could be a little cutscene thing. Um, I really did enjoy yours. I have to say again, I really love how creative you got with the whole bringing in the Black Knight and then having that be, you know, something he has to overcome getting the evil out of him and whatnot. Or, and then uh, cut, cutting the back scenes to how he got his powers initially and whatnot. I think that was a really cool, creative way to approach all of that. Thanks, man. I mean, because like a lot of comic books, they kind of just they hit them like really quickly and you have to just take it for what it is like his origin. He got this stuff. Just boom. Next beat. And then next beat mm-hmm. and the next beat. And there's they don't really take time to develop the characters. So I think like kind of like having him like reflect on his past to build to the final climax of the movie would be really good. Great way of just kind of showing character evolution in the very first movie. Really good. It'd be really good. <laughs> really good. Um, and then, I mean, for a sequel, I would love it having Charlie Hunnam just like jump 10 years, a decade or so. Yeah. And like yeah. get into the super beefy, powerful Excalibur kind of Captain Britain. That'd be awesome. Definitely. And I can't wait to read more of the arcs in that because I didn't quite get into that within my research, but I've really come to love Captain Britain over my last few you know indulgences going through his uh his arcs and i can't wait to really dig into digging deeper i was even thinking about since they're gonna be in london and far from home i was thinking how they could tie into captain britain's role with m16 maybe uh nick fury is like partnering up or kind of doing like a contract with m16 my bad i keep saying oh my god mi6 mi6 you know there's the cia or fbi over there Mm -hmm. in the uk mi6 and being like, uh, Peter, meet Brian Braddock, and MI6's top whatever guy, and they're like the same age. That could be a way, maybe. Or at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, Nick Fury could introduce Brian Braddock to MI6, and that's how he can maybe go on mm-hmm. that route if you wanted to. I don't know. It could be, it could be a different couple of things, you know? Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of ways to go around it. Uh, but yeah, so great. Um, I think that's it. I think we just knocked out Captain Britain out of the park, fan-casted. Marvel's coming at us right now. I think my phone's ringing right now. I'm my gonna... phone's ringing, yep. Oh, wait, it's uh, it's actually DC. Uh, hello, DC? Uh, hello, John, <laughs> this is uh, Jeremy Irons from DC. I fucking hate my role as Merlin. Thank you, goodbye. Um, and that was Improv with the FanCast podcast and its first failure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was great. We slam dunked it. You did an amazing job with casting, I think. Um, Charlie Hunnam would be beautiful. Um, I don't I don't know the younger guys because I'm not that deep into, you know, UK film right now or ever. So I had to really dig into, like, what movies are going on, what shows are going on there, what kind of are some rising stars. And that's how I found yeah. my guy, Tom Glenn uh, Carney. Yeah, no, I had to I had to type his name into my search bar when you said it too, just so I can know. Plus, I wasn't listening to anything you said because I don't care about you. But uh, <laughs> uh, great. I don't respect you. So that's it for episode two, guys. Thank y'all for sticking with us. Next week, here's the tease. We're coming at you guys with Superior. That's gonna be a mini series again, like Nemesis. We know the storyline. We know how it's gonna go, and I think it's gonna be working well because next month we have Shazam, and this is kind of the opposite of that. So, boom. See you guys next week. Take care.